0: Hello, I'm Megan Wong, Vice President of Development at Metrolinks and a member of the Women's Leadership Initiative, WLI. I'm also a member of WLI's Championship Committee, which focuses on spotlighting influential women in Toronto real estate through an annual event and nomination process. I'm usually joined by my co-host, Jennifer Arezes, Vice President of Development at First Capital REIT, and also a member of WLI, but she is unfortunately under the weather today, so I will be hosting this one solo. On behalf of the Urban Land Institute's Toronto Chapter, and in particular on behalf of WLI, I am happy to welcome Cheyenne Hamill, Cindy Rottenberg-Walker, and Jocelyn Deeks to this WLI podcast. Last June, we organized a wonderful event at Stack Market, which celebrated the new 2022 champions and asked ten of our past champions to facilitate discussion tables centered on career progression. Today, we continue this discussion with three WLI champions to highlight their insights. Each champion has a profile on the WLI website, which I encourage all listeners to check out, but to start things off, and in no particular order, Cindy, Jocelyn, and Cheyenne, can you please introduce yourself, your current role, and the best piece of career advice you have received today?
1: I'm Cindy Rotenberg-Walker. Thanks, Megan, for the opportunity to be here. I am an urban planner by profession and education. I'm a partner at Urban Strategies, which is a Toronto based urban design and urban planning consultancy. We have offices in Toronto, Vancouver, Hamilton, and work all over the place. So I think the second part of your question is just a little piece of advice. I would say just stay curious, you know, be curious always. For me, I think one of the biggest highlights of my career is that I know things and do things now that I would never have thought I would be interested in, but it's really just because life presents you all kinds of opportunities and if you stay open to them, you can learn a lot and find things that you really love. I guess the other thing I would say is just be generous, you know, generous with your time, thinking about... Like, everything is a partnership, really. Respect and generosity is how we build relationships. It lets us get things done. It lets us feel good about the things that we get done.
2: Thanks, Megan, for having me. I'm excited to continue the conversation from the summer and move forward with that. I am Cheyenne Hamill. I manage our Special Projects office at PCL Construction out of our Toronto district here been here for around 17 years. It's been a great experience. We have offices all over Canada and the US as well. So a great company that's done well for me. So the best career advice is get comfortable being uncomfortable because when you're uncomfortable, that really is when you're growing the most and learning the most and in situations that you're not used to. If you keep that in front of mind when you're moving through your career and feeling uncomfortable, that's a good place to be.
3: Thanks so much. And hi, everybody. My name is Jocelyn Deeks. I am also an urban planner by education and profession. I've taken a little bit of a different path. I'm a partner at Bose Fields, which is an urban planning and urban design and community engagement firm. My focus is specifically on community engagement. It was sort of interconnected, but circuitous path that I took to get to focus specifically on community engagement. And it's been a great time to start that service line at Fields over the last few years. In terms of career advice, I would say some of the best advice that I ever got was in my earliest and earliest of days, but specifically things like knowing when to work hard is just as important as knowing when not to work hard. And that's something that can be really challenging when you're starting out your career. And also to always be very proud of all the work that leaves your desk because it's a reflection of who you are, whether it's going internally or externally. Uh, It's really important to always pay attention to the small things as well as the big things. And thanks so much for having me today.
0: I love that. Those are really great, great pieces of advice. I'm going to write all of those down. So let's jump in and continue on. I think we've touched on it a little bit. Everyone's in a a different role. I'm curious why you chose your current field and what you really love about the work that you're doing. Why don't we go in reverse order, Jocelyn?
3: Thanks, Megan. So I actually started my career working in finance. And so a totally different path or start. And I learned so much, it was such a valuable experience, except for the one thing I didn't like was at the end of the day, I didn't like that I was working on things that were intangible, right? I couldn't really feel the numbers on the spreadsheet sort of thing. And that really, with a sort of profound curiosity about the world around me, led me to do a lot of traveling in my 20s, which was amazing, as well as becoming really curious about planning. So that's when I went to go do a master's of planning. I have worked almost equally in the public sector, both for the province of Ontario and for the city of Toronto, as I have in the private sector. And while I started off doing sort of strictly land use planning type work, you know, truth be told, I wasn't actually that great at it. And I sort of started to realize that... But also that there were things that I was curious about planning. I lived in a neighbourhood where it was a growing neighbourhood in Toronto, and you'd see those old development signs with lots of text on them. And all I really wanted to know was, okay, so what's happening and what's it going to look like and how long is this going to take, all that kind of stuff, led me to sort of starts to develop this approach with respect to planning we're really breaking down of what is a very complex process and something that we all understand very well in the various capacities that we do it in but actually making it a little bit more real and a little bit more understandable for the people who live around the neighborhood or who are visiting the neighborhood and just kind of want to know what's going on as well as having opportunities to provide feedback and input into the process and learning more about those types of things. That really is kind of then what took me kind of building on all of those various skills and experiences to think about community consultation and how, especially from the private side, we can contribute into that process.
0: I love that. I love how much you've pivoted your career and that recognition that you didn't feel like you were excelling at something and wanted to... Find an avenue. I think that's really important for people to hear. Sometimes we feel like we should do something. We went to school for it. We should really persevere, but I think that's really important. Thank you.
2: I took architectural technology at Mohawk College. And when I went there, I had sort of imagined myself in the design stream. I loved the beauty of architecture, the concepts that go around it, and the artistic nature of it. But I had a co op program, and I ended up getting a placement at PCL. So, I hadn't ever really considered construction, but when I worked on a construction site, I got to be part of the actual build and see that concept come to life. And there's a lot of teamwork also that goes along with construction. So, I would say after my first couple terms, I was sort of sold and never really looked back and continued with construction. I sort of changed my major to align with that plan, and I find it a very exciting. It's really fast-paced, and it sort of aligns with more or less how I live my life <laughs> that way. And I actually find it really rewarding at the end of the day to be able to show your family, your friends, I have a young daughter, buildings that you helped build in the city. So places that they visit, that they go on school trips, that sort of thing, you can say that you actually built that. So great pride in that, and a lot of rewarding experiences that come out of being in construction. So that's why I love the current field that I'm
1: in. So I ended up in planning by accident. In the days when I went to university, which is a really long time ago now, there wasn't so much of a focus on going to school for a career. You just went and studied what you were interested in. And I was interested in two sets of things that at one point seemed like they had nothing to do with each other. I was in a psychology major and an urban studies major. And I had this amazing light bulb event that happened, I think, maybe in third year of my undergrad, where I took a class called environmental psychology, which was about the impact that our environment has on our well-being, our relationships our whole set of quality of life it was there that i read death and life of great american cities the obvious jane jacobs classic and again just like went wild with oh my god i can connect these two things that i have been passionate about but thought were not connected and so then realized i'd have to go to planning school which was also a great thing i learned a lot there but I think that at the end of the day, what attracted me to planning is beyond that, you know, little light bulb connection was also that it's about problem solving. It's about trying to figure out, not avoid all the complicated things that get in the way of simple solutions, but actually to put your arms around that and embrace it and figure out what's the best way to balance all of those considerations so that you can come forward with a solution people can say yes to that can actually be implemented. Like Cheyenne, I'm always keen to be able to say I had some hand in creating this community, this environment, but also that I did it with a lot of other people. And that's something that I really enjoy in the work is just getting to a consensus, which is often really, really hard, is at the end of the day, what we do to figure out how we actually create places that people can live their lives and do so with as much ease and joy as as possible. pretty
0: focused on joy at this point in my career and life. I love that. We should probably all be more focused on joy. And I love, Shan, what you said about your daughter and showing her that you've actually built something. And I think you've all hit on having a tangible outcome. Like having something you can be proud of, something results-based. So I think that's a really important theme. So Let's shift into how mentorship and or sponsorship, which I think are distinctly different things, have been part of your career today. And Shane, I know that we've had a conversation about this before. So maybe you can kick us off on the role that's playing in your career.
2: Sure. I think both mentorship and sponsorship have played a huge role part in my career so mentorship being the support of people that you respect and are happy to get advice and receive advice from and sponsorship being those people who are willing to put your name forward and speak for you when you're not there and put you up for positions that you know they believe you should have and in places you should be So. I can say, honestly, I've been lucky to have both wonderful mentors who provided me great advice, but also really vocal sponsors who pushed me to places that have brought me where I am today. So, I understand what that has done for myself, and I'm a huge advocate of both mentorship and sponsorship for, I would say, especially women. In construction, obviously, it's still a heavily male dominated field that I think they've benefited from both sponsorship and mentorship sort of naturally through the progression and women have not necessarily had that same support. So it is a big focus of mine and something that we push forward for sure amongst all of the women in the Toronto District. And I know that speaks as well to all of PCL, how we are promoting that
0: concept daily. Do you feel that a formal mentorship and sponsorship program at, at work through PCL is a really important piece of moving that forward, where in the past it might've been more informal.
2: Yeah. I think that that's a huge aspect. We have formalized a sponsorship program here. We have always had sort of a formal mentorship program, but I think we sort of recommunicate that as time goes on. Now that everyone's back to the office, it's important to get some of those face-to-face connections back. Sometimes it's difficult when people were not, you know, seeing each other, making those connections at other locations where you might've done so, that I think, the focus for that sort of drifted off of people's minds for a little while, but by promoting like a formal sponsorship program, it's forefront of mind. You're consciously putting that effort in for your sponsees and making sure that you're promoting them the same way that you have received promotion in the past as well.
0: Thanks for sharing that. It's really interesting because I haven't heard too many companies talk about a sponsorship program. So it's really interesting to, to hear about. Cindy, did you want to jump in on that?
1: Sure. I'm also curious about a formal sponsorship program. We have a formalized mentorship program in my firm and I participate in other informal mentorship by request with people that I work with in various client and sort of service relationships. But I think that mentorship is fundamental. I, for certain, have been the beneficiary of very generous mentorship throughout my career. I loved what Cheyenne said at the beginning about being uncomfortable. I would say that some of my best mentors have pushed me into places that I would never have gone, if it, especially in the early stages of my career, if I had been left to define my own course, you know, making me be in front of high-profile audiences, making presentations that scared me to death, I'm going to be really honest. But now I'm so grateful for, because as we all know, or at least again in my generation, we didn't have nearly as much practice and comfort with standing in front of groups, being able to respond to wherever things might go and not on a script. So that was one of the things that, as I reflect back, I really appreciated is that some of the mentors, which actually were men in in the case of my firm, for the most part, not exclusively, and I'll come back to that, but I think that it was tremendously helpful. The other thing, so Urban Strategies has a formalized mentorship program, which is two levels. Every staff member has a partner or principal mentor, but also a staff mentor. So that there's one that's about leadership progression and the growth of your career and the other, which is a little bit more just about a peer-to-peer support system. And that's really, really important. But what I think also is really important is the informal side of it. And I think that Cheyenne referred to this, but the idea that you can do formal mentorship on Zoom. You can't do informal mentorship on Zoom, which is one of the main things that we are trying to help, particularly people that were hired during the pandemic and have only worked remotely with us. There's a whole set of opportunities and learning that comes out of accidental. You overhear a conversation, you're really interested in it, you join it. I learned something about somebody that I've only read their resume of or that I work with in a particular way, but I find out that they have a whole other background and skill set because we're making tea together in the kitchen. So I really hope that people see the benefit of that and therefore choose to get over what is admittedly inconvenient to put on your pants and get on a train and go to the office, but it's really worth it. What I also think is really important is that mentorship goes both ways. One of the reasons I love mentorship is I just want to know what young people are doing. And I think that that's something that we should never, it's not always just about pushing our expertise out and down. I think we have to always think about what the opportunity is to learn from each other at all levels.
0: That's so great, Cindy. I also get so much out of both sides of mentorship, and I feel like younger people entering the profession feel that they're a burden on your time like they're afraid to ask for your time yeah. or that you're too busy but I think that would be a really important message to send out to that next wave yeah. of development planners construction experts that we also benefit it's a win-win exactly. relationship. yeah I think that's
1: really important I love that Justin what about you
3: So one, I absolutely agree with the two-way street piece of it, just because I think it only helps people in terms of understanding kind of what are the trends, what are things that people are thinking with respect to when they're newer into the workforce and that kind of thing. So that's something that I also find really, really valuable. I think that as you said it, it sort of goes all the way through your career i remember the first time that somebody mentioned the word mentor to me not in the concept of being mentored but in mentoring somebody else and i thought what what on earth are you talking about like what do i know And as it turns out, you know more than you think you do, and it's to be able to share sort of whatever level of experience that you are at is something that is really valuable. And Cindy, you talked about that sort of peer-to-peer piece, as well as having significantly more experience and sharing that knowledge as well. I think there is absolutely space for all of it. Similarly, like Cheyenne and Cindy, you know, at Bousefields, we also have a formalized mentorship program, and I think that's something people find really valuable. But also I've actually over the years found it's really valuable to also have mentors outside of your office and the company you work for my first boss, and I joke all the time how much she must have ever regretted hiring me because I still call her for advice (laughs) and guidance. I joke all the time that she's paid a million times over for ever signing me on. It's something that she works in or worked, she's retired now in finance, so it's not subject matter expertise. It's understanding career moves and helping to define skills and scope and all of those types of things that are very valuable. I also have that with people that I've met in completely different circumstances who work in completely different industries, who know me quite well, and who can offer guidance in that respect. I don't think I've ever called them a mentor and they used the phrase to me a few years ago that really resonated, which was having a personal board of directors, right? Where you can go and get strategic advice on various things and their insight. Respect them as the professionals in whatever industries they work in, but you also have that benefit of of helping to, helping to get advice on on thinking about career moves or thinking about how you're operating in a particular way or new challenges that you want to take on, whether it's in your existing role in, or in a new one. So that's something that. I would really encourage people to look for as well where you think I don't know anybody in the industry or I don't know people well enough in the industry well you know what you you don't you don't have to you don't have to necessarily have only that to be able to get some of that guidance and support that's helpful to you
0: that's really helpful and we've talked a little bit about covid and the challenges I'm just wondering before we leave this topic, any suggestions on this new world and how to seek out mentorship? Um, Some companies have a formal program, but Jocelyn, you made an excellent point about reaching outside of your company. And I've also found that to be really beneficial. You get more objective advice. You worry a little bit less about maybe filtering what you would be asking or how you would approach that. So any kind of final words on, on advice for others looking for that?
3: I agree with Cindy's point about the, the making tea in the kitchen moments. That's within your company. I think we've gotten very accustomed to being highly efficient in this virtual world. I think we're all machines in terms of what we accomplish. However, there there is a loss that occurs there as well. So I think that finding ways to... You know, whether it's an industry event, whether it's volunteering for something completely outside of the industry or inside the industry, those are how you make those connections of being able to really get past that COVID Zoom, you know, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Oh, we have 28 minutes left in this discussion, and you better not be one minute late for your next one, because otherwise you get seven messages saying, where are you? The meeting has started. So I think, you know, I think certainly trying to get out there, obviously, to the extent that we all can with runny noses and flus and everything else, but really pushing ourselves a little bit to find those opportunities.
1: I really agree with that. I think that people have to just get out and do it and then you'll be reminded about or you'll learn if it's for the first time just how important it is. You just have to do it. The other thing that I think is really important to me anyway about ULI is it is is all the real estate and related industries, but there are dozens of different professions. And I think that it can provide a great opportunity to do exactly as you said, Megan, like to recognize that a lot of people who are getting to the sort of other side of the hill in their career like me, are really, really keen to have conversations, to meet for coffee, for a drink, have a phone call, go for a walk. I think I love that suggestion that I do believe you. I think you're really right that it's a rare young person right now who feels confident enough to just say, you know, could we do this? So I I hope if nothing else that we get that message out that we're all here to help.
2: There's also a number of areas where you can actually apply for an organized mentorship program, like I will say WLI or ULI. I myself applied to be actually a mentee in that program because I wanted that same aspect, like an outsider's perspective. So that's a great way you're applying and then getting Paired otherwise, and then it's sort of up to you to make those connections. But it's a great way for people to meet people that
0: they wouldn't necessarily have met otherwise, also. Thank you all. Those are such great insights. And I do hope that anyone listening kind of takes that to heart and maybe reaches out to one of you. Something that we've been talking a lot about at WLI. It's simple to put up your hand and say, I'm open to coffee or a walk, like you said, Cindy. And I think it's really powerful. So thank you for that. So our last question before we wrap up and Jocelyn, I'd like to start with you because I think you'll have an interesting way to to start us off here. How do you plan for or
3: have you planned for the future of your career? It is such an interesting question. I don't think I had the world's greatest plan, truth be told. And I don't think that was a failure either. I think that there were things that I enjoyed or I enjoyed pushing myself to enjoy. I think that Really being honest about what you're good at and finding your strengths and what it is that you like is something that helps to formulate what that plan is. There certainly was a point when I worked for the public sector and I worked for the City of Toronto and I loved working for the City of Toronto. I didn't think I'd ever go back to the private sector, but I also think being open to opportunities and asking questions to understand what that might be is something that really helps to shape and and define what your plan is. So I think you have to kind of build on sort of all of the amalgam of experiences that you get to kind of shape it into something that you think that you might like don't know that however many years ago there was a job description that read exactly like what i did but i was able to kind of pull from different experiences to help start doing different types of work in in different municipalities and different things like that to then really kind of advance in terms of putting something together that i I'm really proud of i really enjoy and it's a really nice feeling to get there but in terms of planning i mean best laid plans right we're all planners (laughs) but at the same time human beings are human beings you kind of just have to figure out uh, what the right next step is as well as looking ahead into the future i really appreciate
0: that because i feel like there's a mythical five-year plan that everybody's told that they're supposed to have and the the reality is so much different (laughs)
1: Cindy, did you want to jump in on that? So I have two kids, (laughs) and they're 25 and 27. And we have so many of these conversations, your statement about the five-year plan, something I want to come back to. So I've spent my entire professional career in one place, Urban Strategies, and I have absolutely no regrets about that. The reason I just want to say something about this concept of a five-year plan is I find it too bad that young people feel like they have to jump in order to advance their career, their knowledge. I feel like it puts a crazy amount of stress on them, but I also feel like you might miss some opportunities. So I guess what I would just say is think about the fact that you can grow in place if you are in the right place. So don't close the door to that opportunity. I think that's the key kind of thing. I think that is on my mind that I just feel like there's so much pressure. This world on young people is just, Full of pressure and I feel like if we could take some of the unnecessary pressure off that would actually be a really good thing. Well I probably will not change my career at this point. (laughs) I'm looking at 60. I think that what I want to do for the last kind of stages of my career is to do things that are as meaningful as possible. I'm deeply committed to figuring out how we actually act in the realm of reconciliation how we actually do things that make up for you know centuries generations of harm i'm very interested in that and i really believe that land use planning and development is a key area that that is possible in just so many ways you know building communities that are inclusive, again, just not hiding away from the things that have been real that these last few years have shone giant spotlights on. So I really want to make sure that the things that I do, even if it's a project which is about something else, but at least has a lens about how do you make opportunity, how do you create places for people to come together to learn from each other, to be less nervous about each other, to provide opportunity I think mentorship is a really key piece. Again, I think providing platform, which maybe is a little bit about the sponsorship, I'm not sure, but I'm at a place now where I can make introductions for people, where I can get out of the way, quite frankly. I think that's one of the most important things that I should do is just get out of the way, make that introduction matchmake, you know, sort of set up opportunities and then provide support from behind the scenes if the you know people that are in that particular <laughs> arrangement want it. But
0: just let them be successful and have opportunities. So many great things to unpack there, but I think the growing in place is really interesting. And Shan, I'd love your thoughts on that because I think uniquely you you've both done that at different stages of your career and that's not as common for sure. And I love what you said about introductions as well. And maybe that's another message for anyone who's listening, that if there's someone in the room that you're dying to meet, someone you know probably knows them and can do that introduction and slide yeah. away in the background. So that's great.
2: Mm-hmm. I would add focus of our sponsorship program is making the appropriate connections with people. So I guess I would say similar to Jocelyn, I never really had like a solid plan of exactly this is what I'm going to do for this amount of time and where I'm going to end up. I've always just sort of planned on forward momentum, having fun. I feel like people exactly are focused on jumping around to just get a different title or a better title. But I think that liking where you're working or the people that you're working with has a huge impact on your overall quality of life. You're spending a lot more time at work in most cases than you are at home with your loved ones. So those connections with people are super important and I've been lucky to always have that. So it's not been a difficult choice for me to sort of grow in place and especially given the opportunities that I've been provided, I would say I've always sort of remained open to opportunities. And, and I keep that advice that I said in the beginning in front of mind and sort of lean into it. When I'm put in a position where I'm uncomfortable, I realize that that a reason when I'm really sort of growing and developing new skills or learning something new or new challenges really that I haven't seen before. So when that happens, I sort of lean into it and go with it from there. So I'm not great at making five-year plans either. I always say right now, this is my five-year plan. And then in three, four years, that might totally change depending on what happens. But I think for myself, construction changes so frequently, so often there's different um objectives and teams and it's something that's ever changing so to me I think it's a perfect place for someone who wants a new challenge all the time
0: that's really great and the fact that you're so confident that you've never had that moment where you think should I really leave I don't know about the rest of you but I've been asked you know for advice in the past how do you know when to stay and when to go and I'd be really interested to hear a bit of a spinoff on each of your thoughts on what you would say to someone who's asking your advice, because I think we have two stairs and Jocelyn, I think you and I are more of a similar boat. We've moved around a little bit, stumbled into our current roles in a direct way. So I think it'd be really interesting to hear.
3: For me... It's actually the when to go piece hasn't always been that tough because I'd say there have been a few situations where I wasn't learning in that job anymore. And I think that is just death, right? When you are just doing and not learning, that is detrimental to your career development and your development as a professional. Um, But Cheyenne, I really agree with you. Also, a workplace that is a great place to be where it is an enabling positive environment is something that is so important. I think that also one of the things that, you know, people might, especially during your career, you might think your only option is to leave. And I have been surprised. Once left a job and my boss said to me, you know, you're firing me as your <laughs> employer. And if I were to fire you as an employee, I'd have to give you some notice and, and talk to you about it. And you're not giving me that opportunity it's really always stuck with me because there probably was an opportunity to say, look, I'm not happy about these particular parts of my job or I don't feel this. And to actually have that conversation where you know cutting bait isn't always the only option, and and if you like where you work, but there's there's things that aren't perfect, we'll have the conversation, right? And you know we're no nobody's perfect, and and we can all learn and and grow together. So you know that's something as well that I would say you know it takes a lot of guts. It's it's pretty nerve wracking, but once you rip off the bandaid and have the conversation, it can actually be really make changes for the positive. So that's my thoughts on when to stay and when to go.
1: I love that. I think for me, I absolutely agree. I really wish people would ask us if there's an opportunity to accomplish their five-year plan before they decide there isn't and they have to take it somewhere else. Because also, I think, of course, if the answer is no, then that's as much a sign as you need as possible to say, "Okay, this is not the place for me. But I think what I would want is for people to do that, to put their hand up. I hope everybody that listens to this will at least try that. If the fundamentals are in place, if the organization, if you believe in its values, which I think is so important now, again, the generations behind me are extremely value focused, and I have tremendous respect for that. So, as long as the organization you're in has values that align with yours, then ask yourself, you know, am I really seeing all the opportunities that are here? Can I have a conversation if there are? different things because the other side again this two-way street is that we as organizations need to learn we are a business Uh, we're only successful if we do things that people want so there may be ideas that we don't know about and I think that those are really important mindsets to bring to this
2: I like those points I think that asking questions or bringing up issues is something that I would say doesn't happen Almost every time that someone has already made the decision to leave, when you actually find out the reason, I'm like, why didn't you say something before? We probably yeah. could have easily addressed that or done something or they don't realize that there's other opportunities. So I think a big piece of that is having that sort of built relationships or mentorship, whatever, the peer-to-peer mentorship that we talked about earlier you know meeting in the cafe just saying how things are going so that you develop those people that you can trust and your confidence to talk about some of those things and they might actually be able to help you through some of the challenges that so i can't personally say you know <laughs> what's the decision maker to to stay or go but i would say the same thing you know if you're aligned with the company's values and goals and vision a lot of the other little pieces that I think are reasons that people leave are probably something that could be addressed if they were discussed ahead of time and I I know people are worried always to bring up complaints or issues but in most cases I know as a manager I would appreciate that over someone just leaving for something that we could have resolved
0: otherwise that's great advice and there's been so much great advice here today for me and I'm sure for many others when they listen so I want to thank each of you for taking your time, for your continued involvement in championing women and in the industry on behalf of WLI and ULI. Thank you so much. And uh, we hope to see you at our next networking event so I can introduce you to some people.
3: (laughs) Thank you so so much. much.